Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Russell, and this is The Audit Room. You can join us live to ask your questions every Tuesday at 11 Central Standard Time by connecting with Tracy Marquardt and myself on LinkedIn. Again, I'm your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we help launch internal audit analytics programs and internal audit data teams. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Hey there, everybody. It's Tracy back this week after a week off taking care of my flu symptoms. Happy to be back. And of course, I'm all things audit communication, working around the globe from Europe to North America to Australia, South Africa. Anything that's communication related is going to help your team improve their productivity and leadership skills, your audit reporting. Um, come on over and um, let us know and we'll help you out. And I'm super excited today because we have a repeat special guest. Um, we have Dana Lawrence in the house with us. And our title for today's uh, session is In FinTech We Build Trust. Now, more than ever, we're hearing headlines about crypto and hacks and frauds. And, and you know, it ultimately causes harm to us as everyday individuals. Um, so Dana's here to talk about that. Um, she's going to share with us what you can do to stay at the intersection of emerging risk, technology, and strong internal control. Now, Dana is the Chief Compliance Officer at Fidicio. Dana is known in our industry for bridging the gap between communication and culture in the fintech, crypto, startup, banking, regulatory environment. So there's a lot of expertise that Dana is bringing to us today. And she's also going to share with us information about her new LinkedIn live show, which is called In Fintech, We Build Trust. I'm super excited. I've watched both episodes in playback mode. So Dana, welcome back to the audit room. We're happy to have you. Hey, that was an incredible welcome. Like I should just record that and listen to it in the morning <laughs> to kind of pump myself up. Thank you. That was super kind. Um, just want to say that I'm thrilled to be back in the audit room. And thank you to everyone who is stopping by. I know it's the holiday season. So, you know, you could be like eating eating cookies right now, or maybe you are eating cookies right now, but I'm thrilled to have you. So really excited to talk about um, the all the types of risk management and internal audit activities that are happening, particularly at the forefront of innovative technologies. And as uh, Tracy mentioned, we've been hearing a lot of things about the FTX scandal. We've been hearing about different crypto hacks, all sorts of kind of frauds and, and scandals related to some of these emerging technologies. 
And I um, tried to distill it down into a couple basics um, to give everyone a couple tips. Um, Tracy, Trent, do you want me to kind of dive into the first one? Yeah, please. Okay, cool. Um, so the first tip I have for you is it's it's a basic, but it's a good one. And that is if you want to be performing well as an internal auditor in emerging technology, it's your responsibility to really be up to date on the business acumen within your organization. And what I mean by that is as internal auditors, we're never going to be like the actual expert on the coding of the blockchain or anything like that. But I do think if you're working in a really innovative industry, you're going to need to really have that strong spirit of curiosity and really be learning to willing to dive in and continue to learn the different business lines. So I'm actually curious from you two and also from folks on the call, if you want to put in the chat, how have you best stayed up to date on the business when you're working in audit? Um, go ahead and put it in the chat or then I'm just going to kind of ping you, Trent and Tracy. How have you been successful in um, keeping up to date on what's going on in your in your businesses? Yeah, you uh, I usually look for, especially when I was in internal audit, there was usually some kind of L&D, like learning and development, uh, like courses online when I was in, at a credit union. They just had a ton of information on the internet uh, and it's a step-by-step -step process, which I always enjoy like the structure of that. Um, so that's what like that was week one for me was let me take all these trainings. Okay. Um, and since then, it's largely books, um, data books, audit books, super, super exciting stuff for hardly <laughs> anybody, but I enjoy them. So uh, that's usually it for me. And, and I would jump in and just say, for me, you know, it's all about the communication. So it's having chats with people, yeah. whether it's an informal chat or a formal chat. And um, I think there's, you know, a real place for informal chats because you can, t you tend to be able to get more information uh, from, from people in a, in an informal environment. So just talking to people in addition to the things that Trent mentioned. Cool. Yeah. I think all those are great suggestions. We have a couple um, comments in the chat, taking people out to lunch. And why, I, why I'm kind of bringing this up, it seems like such a basic topic, but if you're working at a company where they're creating something new that's never really been a thing before, or um, it's just not something you can really easily accessible get training on, um, having those conversations, like I remember I've spent hours in front of a whiteboard with engineers who were like, you know, this is how, this is how the engineering or tech stack works at our company. And um, just being, it kind of tapping into that natural audit curiosity because I think when as auditors we come in with a fresh set of eyes but if you have that kind of foundation of what's going on I think you can um, be a little bit more effective and like we always talk about relationships I think relative to the business what? acumen would you say Dana like getting to know the product folks and or the marketing folks would be like oh, the yeah. straightest line to what's coming out new yeah. that we need to know yeah, absolutely. And that kind of um, ties back into another point that I have, which is around coming back to the basics. Um, and that's kind of, I always go back to a risk assessment, understanding, understanding. Right. <laughs> um, when I joined, um, I joined a company called Simple, and it was one of the first neobanks in the US. And I was responsible for setting up an internal audit function there. 
And I really leaned on just the simple principle of a risk assessment. And I went around with, you know, my laptop or whatever and just sat with people and asked me to walk through like, you know, what their what their priorities are, um, what they think are risks to getting those things accomplished. But if you have some sort of good rapport with them, Trent, as you mentioned, like it's a lot easier. They're going to be more likely to keep you apprised of things. So I think definitely, um, how are you keeping up to speed on what's going on uh, within the organization? I'm just going to jump in. I liked Hal's comment too about asking open questions, listening carefully, suggesting hypotheses, and then listening to why you're wrong about your hypotheses. I think that's an awesome suggestion. And I think when we, you know, we see stuff like the FTX scandal and you're just like, when when I initially think about FTX, even though I do work with the crypto companies and blockchain, I think, oh, it must be so complicated, but I don't really think it's as complicated as maybe it appears. I think it's probably more of a fundamental breakdown of basic internal controls Uh that could have been potentially identified by just knowing your business units, staying up to speed on what they're doing and documenting a nice risk assessment so you can understand what is a more complex area, what seems you know what seems to be changing at the highest velocity what is more innovative and new versus something that we really understand well um so again i think kind of just not overlooking the basics um the third point i wanted to talk about if you do find yourself in a situation where you're working for a highly innovative company where they're building something new i think it's critical to stay up to date on the industry trends um you might not have as many people in your peer group, but um, I'm going to ask you two and also the group, what is your favorite way to stay up to date um, on your industry? So not industry, but in terms of audit analytics, we have a bi-monthly group. It's audit analytics practitioners. Um, So it's not consultants and whatever they're trying to push. It's like, what are you guys actually working on? What are the actual struggles you're having? So we do that every every other month uh, with a group of 12 to 15. And so that's just like a, a gold mine of literally exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was one of the things I had was like professional groups, consortiums. And even if your program, like you feel good about your program, just hearing like, oh, the regulators this year, they're really sniffing in this direction. Like yeah. that is such valuable feedback or, hey, I, you know, I fell down in this area. Um, you know, all that is gold. Yeah. Tracy, how Absolutely. about you? I think industry conferences too. And I mean, I, I follow how. Yeah, we have a good little group of, of, of people here. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Julio says, collection of podcasts I follow to keep up with emerging tech and security. I will. I'm like literally the queen of multitasking, which is not good at times, but I'll be out doing yard work, listening to podcasts or, or like audiobooks about my industry, which is it's a bit much, but yeah, um, I get that's it. how I yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm reading I'm reading data books on the weekend. People are like, what'd you do this weekend? I was like, oh, I read this book on data strategy. <laughs> like, cool. That's very cool. I went on a, you know, an eight mile walk and listened to an audiobook on data ethics. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways, um, you know, we all have our tribe. Um, I think um, another thing I wanted to mention for staying up to date on the industry 
because if you are at kind of that forefront or really in just any any area you're in paying attention to regulatory reports and enforcement actions i work in financial services so we are highly regulated but i'm always scanning for enforcement actions and i will either i'll do, I'll, I do a quick read of everything and i either you know do a quick scan and take the key points or if it's something that is very directly related I have been known to do like a complete gap analysis. There was recently an enforcement action from the OCC against a bank that is partnering with a lot of fintechs. And there were maybe 10 different key themes. And in those key themes, there were maybe like a total of like 80 things. And I literally mapped out all the things that this bank was in trouble for and mapped it to the current operations um, to kind of see are our programs up to speed um, and again, I'm, I do a lot of audit, um, conversations, but I kind of am also in second line of defense roles. So kind of take what I'm saying, you know, you might, you might interpret it a little bit differently from that audit perspective, but just underlining the value of paying attention to what's going on around you. Um, and then I have a bonus, a bonus tip. And that is um, know when to challenge and know when to walk away. Um, I would love to hear people's thoughts on this um, and kind of how this has shown up in your career. But for me, when I've worked in tech startups, um, a lot of times there isn't the structure and governance that you would see at a larger, more established company. So you are literally educating people on internal controls, you're setting up the committees, you're getting the support, you're really fighting for that culture. And sometimes people are responsive and sometimes people are less responsive. So I've had to have um, some really tough conversations where, you know, I told my husband, hey, I'm really going to have a challenging conversation here. I might, I might not be employed at the end of this. <laughs> and um, I think it's, it's, a really important thing, um, no matter where you are in your career, but especially when you're kind of like the the senior person in charge, to really understand kind of what your ethical compass is, what you are willing to, you know, how you're going to handle kind of those. Um, yeah, how perfectly put, what swords are you willing to fall on? And also, when are you willing to walk away? I know that for me, I'm willing to walk away if... Actually, I, I don't know how I could put it in words, but I know when I know. Yeah. And in financial services for a compliance person, we have criminal liability up to jail time. So it's pretty easy for me to say this is a no <laughs> and to use that when I'm talking to senior leadership. But for internal audit, it's a little different. Um, Richard Chambers just noted that the OCC fined internal audit senior leadership for some failures associated with Wells Fargo. And and that's kind of um, a, a different approach than what we've seen in the past. But I did want to bring up that topic and see um, who or what, what kind of feedback or comments you've had, how you've had to deal with those conversations. I mean, I don't think I've had that, those five ends of conversations for for a while now but i i do see 
you know, the, the value and the work that you've talked about in terms of like mapping everything to see even in your or, in your own organizational, what can you learn from these, I don't know, call them failures, but these things that have happened that are, you know, public knowledge now and having those difficult conversations is super, super important. And I always think, you know, auditors need courage. They have to have courage to have some of these difficult conversations and there can be some there's the potential for some negative repercussions, but I think the most courageous auditor in the end will be the last one standing. Yeah. There's a CAE I was talking to that uh, did an interview and, and mentioned this, that they, not a, a literal letter, but like in their head, they always have their resignation letter in their pocket. And so that if there is something where they need to have like the tough conversation, especially if it's like immediately, I guess, um, that they know that like, they can pull it out, lay it down, talk about the situation, and if they get let go, then they go, "All right, that's I'm fine with that." You know that because right. that's who I am ethically, and I'm okay with that. And Julio said, um, "Having eight months of emergency fund strengthens your courage." Right. And I don't, I certainly don't want to scare any anyone away from the internal audit profession because it's it's so valuable. It's a it's a springboard for your career. It's it's such an important job. Um, and if you get, if you find yourself in some of the more senior leadership positions, I think it is really important to think through how can I set myself up in a situation where I don't feel like I have to have this job, where if something ethically and morally comes up, I would be willing to walk away. Um, and that takes, I would also say some financial privilege, like, you know, if you have if you have wow. kids, if you have college payments, medical bills, debt, like I can see many reasons why it would be very, very difficult. Um, and also it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tough thing and it's really real. And I don't, I don't know um, how often we talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that got, that got really serious. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> I, you know, can I, can I switch up topics? For yeah, us? Absolutely. yeah. I mean, what the heck is going on with crypto? Okay. <laughs> um, so this is my opinion only. Um, I think that what happened in 2021 and 2022, a lot of people jumped into crypto and they saw their crypto price rising and they thought it was pretty cool. And so they put more money in and it's definitely dropped. We're going through an extreme crypto winter. We are seeing um, more crypto hacks occurring. We're seeing a lot of scandals. And I am still of the mindset that crypto is not going to go away. Um, blockchain projects are still continuing to build. Even more traditional financial institutions are still looking into ways to connect to crypto. My predictions will be that there will be more regulation around crypto exchanges. And there will be requirements to have better controls around accounting to make sure if you put your money in there, it's actually, there's something to back that up. And then also better controls and potentially consumer protections around crypto hacks. So one of the big things is if you have someone else hold your crypto wallet and that gets hacked, you are out of luck there there's pretty much nothing you can do unless there's some provision that you have or if you have some sort of insurance but it's like i think of it as if you have you know ten thousand dollars at bank of america 
and their branch gets robbed, that doesn't impact your money. You will still get your money. Whereas if they, if your crypto wallet gets hacked, your money's gone. So, um, I definitely think that <laughs> I, I still am personally invested in crypto. I invest like this much money and I just do it more as like, you know, buying a lottery ticket is how I yeah, look at it. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what, what, do, what do you uh, all think? Or? I think so like Bitcoin's been around for probably okay. close to 15 years, maybe 17 mm-hmm. actually, um, mm-hmm. 15. And so what's taken so long for the regulations to catch up? I mean, it's been 15 years. What? Oh, what? Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. Well, <laughs> I think the whole point of Bitcoin is that it was to allow people to interact with each other directly free from interfere yep. interference from the government yeah um and then how those regulate regulation happens after the crisis not before so i think um another component is there is a lagging period of regulators to understand you know is this the technology that is material um how do we get it to speed on it they have a lot of different priorities so if it's not a big material thing they're probably aren't going to you know, pour a bunch of resources on it. So I think there's some lagging, but now that we've had some of these large scandals, it's certainly going to be um, more of a point of um, focus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was curious. So you're like the fintech person. When I, when whenever fintech talks to me or there's questions about it, I usually just take whatever the question is and I send it to you. Nice. Um, but what are some like some fintech type risks that non, you know, there's folks on here, they're like, I'm not in uh fintech or even banking like what should they consider so um a couple of things for actual fintech companies i think that um 2023 is going to be a tough year um we saw a lot of funding for fintechs dry up in 2022 a lot of times fintech startups are not profitable for a couple of years but they experience huge customer growth Uh so people are willing to invest money in them and we kind of went through a bubble and saw lots of investment in 2022 well it kind of stopped and petered off in 2022 going into a bit of a recession so i think 2023 will be kind of slower from a financial perspective but as far as the risk specific to fintech i think the risk is you have people who are very good at technology very good at innovation and maybe they're not well versed in internal control so there's going to be a tension for internal auditors compliance and risk professionals and fintechs to you know stand up and and do the right thing when perhaps the leadership of the fintech doesn't understand um money laundering is a huge risk in fintechs because you're um allowing people to you know sign up in two minutes on their phone and you better be sure that those controls are working properly so those are kind of my top my top themes for you is there is there like a um maybe even a risk to traditional banking that fintech's playing into that like yeah. they're they're siphoning off some of that business is there a risk there for traditional yeah. banks yeah so i really do see it's been really interesting because I've I've been on the traditional banking side and then the last eight years I've been on the fintech side and now I'm doing work again with traditional banks. 
who want to partner with fintechs. And absolutely, your community banks, the people who are like showing up at your parades, sponsoring your events, giving back to the community, giving back to charity, they're they're getting bludgeoned yeah. by fintechs. And not that's that's maybe that's a bit of an aggressive word, but um I think what we're gonna see a lot of is banking as a service. And it's a concept where um yeah, Julio, great point. Banks viewing fintech firms as opportunities and not threats. The thing is, the big, you know, the thing is a fintech cannot exist without a bank because one of those entities needs to be licensed, regulated, the responsible party. So I'm seeing and I'm helping a lot of banks partner with fintechs, um, figuring out how to connect the technology and then also make sure that um, the activities of the fintech are aligned with um, the requirements of the bank from a compliance perspective. So it could be, you know, there's definitely some unique differences culturally between the two types of company, but I think um, we're going to see a lot of cool partnership. And I would imagine most most banks from small community banks to credit unions to large banks are going to have some sort of fintech portfolio um, 2023 going forward. I mean, I would think there's a lot of um, a lot of synergies. Like the big banks can learn from these fintech companies, and fintech companies can learn from the big banks in terms of controls and the governance and things like that, uh-huh. because it's so well established right. and regulated in the in the banking industry. So, you know, what are the what are the 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 bits and pieces and the opportunities really to make it a really happy partnership and that are going to benefit us out here in the world um, as individuals who are doing all our banking. Um, that yeah. Way. And think of like, I think um, one really positive of fintechs is typically they're free or low cost and don't charge overdraft fees. And and think about it. Like, do do banks even charge overdraft fees anymore? Right. Like, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I feel like it has caused a competitive environment that uh-huh. that hopefully does benefit the customers. And we've this whole, most of this conversation has been around fintech and we've kind of yeah. hit on Two of the differences you've mentioned, uh, Dana, overdraft fees. It sounds like that's changing on the traditional <laughs> side. And then you say culture is also a big difference. But for those mm-hmm. that are listening, you're like, okay, you've said fintech like 45 times. Well, I still don't know what you're talking about. Like, what's the difference yeah. between the two? Um, so <clears throat> anyone you ask is going to give you a slightly different answer. <laughs> um, in the most basic sense, fintech is financial technology. So Think of like online banking, that could be fintech. Think of a debit card, that could be financial technology. In the way that the term has been used probably within the last three to five years, it's more specific to companies that have started, excuse me, a little bug in my throat now, companies that have started that are technology companies that are trying to solve a specific financial problem in a more unique way. Maybe they have um, some machine learning or algorithm to underwrite. Maybe their um, onboarding experience is really quick and simple. Maybe it's using like, you know, biometrics to confirm your ID or to use like we, I, the, a okay. big standard is a selfie, like a liveness check. Um, sometimes if you're signing up for an online account, it will take a selfie of you and assess if you're a real person or if it's a picture of a picture. 
Um, so there's all sorts of kind of cool technology that's being integrated um, to help the, the traditional financial services world. Got it. And okay. we have a lot of new, so I was just going to say, we have a lot of new ways of making payments now, right? Like well, uh, you can you can go to your local weekly market and they have a yeah, little box that they stick into their iPhone and you can just, you know, pass your credit card over and pay for things. Yeah. So. yeah. And I think, um, well, not I think, absolutely during the pandemic, FinTech saw a massive increase because of um, not having to be in contact with people and needing um, that technology to still be able to uh, facilitate commerce. Yep, super. I think I've been to a bank one time in 10 years. Oh, I have two, and it was the drive-through. <laughs> that, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and it was have, the little a, that goes up. <laughs> I think the European banking system is much better than than the one in North America. I mean, here they're like, well, you have to go to the branch to pick up your card. And I'm like, you kidding me? It's a 30-minute drive. Mm-hmm. I'm out in country. You know, it's absolutely crazy. I'm like, not happening. Listen, I got one last question for you, Dana. Can you give us um, the the lowdown on your new <laughs> life monthly program in FinTech We Build Trust? Yeah, absolutely. So I recently started a LinkedIn live show. It's called In Fintech We Build Trust. It's monthly. I have a co-host and each month we are trying to bring in different guests. And the purpose of the show is for people who work in internal audit, risk management, compliance, security, pretty much anyone who builds trust in their job. And the focus is specific to fintech, banking, web three, crypto, blockchain, anything under the financial services umbrella. And we'll talk on, we'll discuss different topics. Last month, we talked about venture capital, how they invest in companies, how they think through um, internal controls and compliance officers. And then in January, we're going to talk about um, something like new year, new year's resolutions, like career path and goal setting. Um, but all all are welcome. Um, we'd love to have you. And thanks for having me uh, here today. Thank you.